This is Media Sales Mastery, the podcast for media sales professionals. In each episode, we bring you information, insights, ideas, and interviews from some of the industry's top thought leaders. Head to mediasalesmastery.com to help pick the topic and guide the show. This is Media Sales Mastery, the podcast for media sales professionals. I'm your host, Jamie Wood. Our topic today is all about accelerating your career growth. So media sales, interesting kind of profession to be in when it comes to discussing career development and career progression. And this is because unlike a lot of other industries, you don't have that set linear path. You know, for some of us, I think mastering media sales and just maximizing our income, that represents a desirable career ambition. Whereas for others, we kind of see media sales as that opportunity to progress through a media organization, either into sales leadership or through some other functional area of the business. So look, irrespective of what path you'd like to take, understanding how to take responsibility for your own career growth and development is vitally important. Our guest today is Andrea Ingham. Andrea has held senior executive roles across a number of international digital publishers, uh, BuzzFeed, Spotify. She's also led large national media sales teams across radio and TV. So getting her start in uh, media sales in Adelaide, Andrea's actually just relocated back there to her hometown from Sydney, and she started her own consulting business. Going to be a great episode. Looking forward to it. The first five. Andrea, welcome to the show. Hi, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. So look, before we dive into the main topic, let's hear a bit about yourself. Where have you come from? What are you currently doing? I have worked in media sales for 23 years, a long time. Um, Most of that in radio and television at Southern Cross TV, Channel 9, Nova and Southern Cross Austereo. And more recently, over the last five years, I've been working in digital at Spotify and then BuzzFeed. I've just finished up at BuzzFeed a couple of weeks ago as I've relocated back to my hometown of Adelaide and I've started my own business. So it's a consultancy, it's called Access Intel and I'm working with businesses on strategies across growth and profitability, team strategies and transformation and sales skills and training. Very exciting. Well, when we were chatting last week, we were talking about some potential topics we could get into. And it seems like a real passion point of yours is around this area of accelerating your career growth. Why do you think it's so vital for a media salesperson to just put that consistent, considered focus on their own career development? It's something that I think I could have done better earlier in my career. Um, At times I sat back just working really hard, doing great things and waiting for people to kind of recognize that I'd done that and for them to hand me that promotion on a platter. Whereas I think the kind of the key points are, are that fast track and accelerate and really taking control of your career yourself. I look at personal development and learning particularly and a lot of people look at look to their boss or the company they work for for their learning and personal development whereas personal development it's personal like your company is going to train you in what they want you to do for them not what you want to do for yourself and your career so um, firstly I would highly recommend knowing where it is you want to head so have a plan um, it doesn't have to be 55 pages war and peace but know where it is you're heading in your career 
and then have a look at those gaps in your skill set and you know what is it that you need to do to kind of fill those gaps so it's really about being in the driver's seat of your career and learning so rather than as i said waiting for your company or your manager to do that for you be proactive not passive yeah it's an interesting point you raise there around training and development and taking ownership of that yourself i i do feel like at some point the workforce has really changed andrea where there used to be or at least there is a perception that you do your time in a company and you're naturally going to succession through the business into more senior roles and i just don't think that's the case anymore i think people people can be promoted through the business quite rapidly if they're able to actually identify what it is the business requires of them and then systematically kind of put the the right steps in place and the right processes in place to get themselves to that level. So it's great to have you on the podcast to talk about it. Let's jump into the main topic now. Media sales mastery. People that are in that first five-year journey of media sales are typically the ones that really struggle with what the industry is, how do I make sense of all of this? You know, you would know from leading big sales teams that we do see a lot of attrition in those first 18 months to three years. And I'm curious to know from your perspective, what role can having a, a long-term career plan play in those early years in terms of getting through that first initial hump of media sales? Yeah, of course, 100%. I think um, it goes back to, I think, the topic that we're talking about is fast-tracking and accelerating. By having a plan, you know where it is you're headed, you roughly know how you're going to get there, you know what you're doing to support that in your learning and development, and hopefully you've shared that plan with your manager and they're on board with it as well. Because the first years are really hard. I mean, God, my first job, which wasn't in sales, it was in agency, I would work till like, we had to get ads to the papers on a Thursday because I was working on a real estate client and I would work till 2 a.m. every Thursday night and you just it's just what I had to do to get the job done. wouldn't necessarily think that would be the right thing these days. We could also smoke in our offices then, but um, that's how long ago it was. But it's like madmen. But um, it is tough when you're starting out and it can seem relentless and thankless. And by having that plan and knowing why you're doing it and where you're headed and how you're going to get there... I think helps um, keep you motivated and kind of keeps you on track because there's a purpose. It gives you that why. It's a good point. It's a good point. I mean, I think what I find really interesting about the profession as well is that when you talk about job performance, to some extent, your job performance is anchored to this very tangible metric of of your performance to budget or your, your ability to generate revenue. And we know that that's not all there is to it in terms of progressing your career. So what would your advice be for somebody in media sales who's looking to develop and showcase a broader skill set or more value to the business they operate within beyond just revenue generation? There's a lot more to it than revenue. And I think salespeople, I've seen salespeople who have been so wedded to how brilliant they are because I've smashed my budget. But what they don't see that their manager is seeing is how they have a negative impact on the broader team. Rather than bringing people up, they bring people down. So whilst they might be doing well individually, they could be having a negative impact on other salespeople or support teams, et cetera, et cetera, or taking too much of a manager's time because they're hard work. So I think it's... um. You know, it's important to look at the bigger picture. And whilst revenue is going to be, I would suggest every sales or media organisation or media owner's KPI, um, outside of that, there's going to be 
KPIs within the business. Like it might be that this, the sales team is quite green and somehow you can support other salespeople in their learning if you might know more than them or be more experienced. The, the business might be needing to increase their average rate or deal size or sell more of a certain product or more to a certain vertical and how can you support that part of the business. But certainly it's about... Um, about understanding kind of have it looking at the needs of the broader team there's a book that was recommended to me by someone who was a great support to me in my career called what got you here won't get you there and that kind of talks about a lot of the pitfalls that people can fall into and I think that certainly applies to salespeople wanting to become managers also if you google why why great salespeople don't make good managers there's so much <laughs> out there on it read up about yeah. it i kind of understand that but most of it comes down to the fact that really great salespeople are often quite selfish you know they're, they're worried about their target and their clients and that's all they're focused on so they do lack a view of that kind of bigger picture and that can certainly hold them back on the path to becoming a manager particularly. It's interesting just hanging on that point around being self, you know, self-oriented or being selfish. I think sometimes as a sales director, I have to say that you do need a level of selfishness in salespeople. To some yeah. extent, it can actually fare well. But I agree with you. I think that the balance is what's critical here because I know there's a lot of, um, I've certainly had a lot of sales reps in my time that are real passionate, really creative, um, just really love media in all forms. And oftentimes keeping them focused on revenue can be the issue because they want to take on initiatives. They want to help other people. Um, they want to get out and, and, you know, sort of showcase other things that they can bring to the business when the job they're employed to do primarily is is revenue generation. So it's an interesting counterpoint there around finding somebody who has the emotional awareness to go, I've got to take care of my backyard first. The job I'm employed to do is to generate revenue. But within that framework, I've also got to demonstrate how I can add value um, in meaningful areas as well. And it probably leads to the question that I had for you next, which was in your experience leading sort of large national sales teams, like what sort of behaviors or attributes are you looking for when it comes to identifying someone that you think would be worth progressing through the business? Yeah, just quickly going back to what you said though about those salespeople that are like, oh, they love doing creative or they love doing this or they love doing that. That's a hobby, right? If you're a salesperson, you need to write revenue. And that's, if you're not 100% focused on that, anything else outside of that, again, it, just because you enjoy it doesn't make it important to the business. So that kind of like, oh, I'm really good at creative. I'm really good at this. Well, then join the creative team. Like you're there to write revenue and again, if you want to do that as a hobby outside of work, that's fine. Um, but there, I think you need, we need to be wary of like salespeople that are like, oh, yeah, but they're, they're really great at this, but not really great at selling. Well, then you're not a salesperson. You're something else. Yeah. You, well, you're in yeah. the strategic team or something. <laughs> Hate to say it. But, um, but what have I seen consistently in all the great salespeople I've worked with is that they do the basics well and consistently. They don't necessarily work a thousand times harder than anyone else. They do work very hard. It's about being consistent. Like if you look, they will just do the right thing every quarter. Does it always pay off? Not always, but in the long term, it really, really does. They work smart and they are just consistent. So sales is not brain surgery. There's a study that I've seen quoted a lot and it shows that 
80% of sales that are successful and get over the line required at least five follow-ups from the salesperson after the initial contact and 44% of salespeople give up after one. So it's really like the behaviours are being tenacious, resilient enough to keep going back time after time, not hounding people though. We all know that's just stupid. It's about going back with answering their objection. Okay, what's the feedback they gave you? What were the signals they gave you? You know, being really, really smart about it. Having a really positive attitude, like not coming up with excuses as to why you can't. They always find the, find the reasons why they can. And being really, really hungry. One thing I'd give a warning about is some people would say, oh, you've got to have the best relationships. I don't. I think you have to be great with relationships, and of course that's important. But everyone has good relationships. I mean, you ask, you ask like a client who they've got good relationships with. They'll name twenty people. I mean, literally, I always say to people, unless you've been invited to their house multiple times for dinner or gone to their wedding, you are not their best friend. And relationships might get you a seat at the table, but it won't get you the sale. It's a really good point. I mean, it's so funny. You know, the one the one common thread of every podcast I've done. Any topic we cover off is like the fundamentals. If you aren't mm. doing the fundamentals right consistently and with rigor and with thought, um, you really like everything else you layer on top of that isn't going to fly. So it's interesting just to hear that continually be reinforced. Like, let's talk a little bit. And I, I speak from my perspective because I wouldn't say I've really had a career mentor. I've been in media sales 10 plus years. Um, I've never really had a mentor or a coach. I've had people that have been helpful throughout the career. I've had people that I've certainly lent upon for guidance. I've had managers that have given me the right opportunity. But can you talk a little bit about mentorship and coaching? Is is that, in your view, something that, that people should strive to seek out and to maybe develop a, a mentor relationship? Or is it is it a non-essential? And, and if it is an essential, what might the process for reaching out to somebody look like? I think it can be really, really helpful. I would avoid the term mentor. I think if you Google like mentor and having a mentor-mentee relationship, that's, and I have had that with people, probably as a mentor, not necessarily with a formal mentor-mentee relationship. I like to look for trusted, I've liked to look for trusted advisors through my career because if you have a mentor, it's almost like, oh, well, that person's guiding me on my career. Whereas I think there are going to be different parts of your career that require different things. For example, if you're in TV sales and you want to move to digital, then that's going to require a different skill set than the person that's been guiding you in your TV sales career to date. Because that person may know nothing about digital, know nothing about transitioning. They might have worked in TV all their career, good on them, but that's not going to necessarily help you transition. So I like to think of them as trusted advisors that are there for a point in time. Again, going back to your career plan, and kind of that fast track, okay, what what are the skills I need to like spec up on? Who can help me with that at this point in time? It also saves um, burnout as well. Like if you have one mentor and you're taking up all of their time and you're seeing them constantly, that takes up a lot of time as well. So I think this is a smarter way to do it is by having those trusted advisors that are there um, for the specific thing that you or the things that you're wanting to achieve at that point. I also think... One thing that would be really interesting to hear from you is, do people find it intimidating reaching out to people and asking for help like that, do you think? Like, is there, a, is there any sort of intimidation factor that might be prohibiting people from proactively seeking out help? And, you know, from your perspective, 
having probably been asked, you know, to to help people guide their career throughout your career, what's your like? What's your perception of those kind of um, those kind of people who reach out and ask for support? Is is that something you look upon favorably? Oh, of course, a hundred percent. And I would rarely say no to that unless I thought I couldn't help in some way, or that I would then probably point them in another direction or to someone else. But I'm always happy to help if I can. I think if you're in sales and you're scared to ask someone for advice or help, you're probably in the wrong career. <laughs> it's like good salespeople point. need to be able to <laughs> confident enough to do anything like that, to reach out to anyone. So yeah, if, you, if you're worried about re- approaching someone about something, you're pretty much in the wrong career in sales, I think. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a very keen observation there. Look, this one's an interesting one, but it, it comes up a lot um, from people that are in, in media sales. Do you think that someone can perform their way into a bit of a career stasis where uh, I guess the example I'll give you is like a top performing media salesperson feels like they might miss a promotion into a sales leadership role because their contribution to revenue is so strong that the manager wouldn't possibly want to disrupt that, you know, and, and you're more valuable to me writing revenue. So why would I why would I disrupt that? Is is that something that you think actually can happen in media sales? And if so, what might your, be your advice for somebody who, who feels that's an issue they're going to encounter? I do. I do think that can happen. <laughs> and it's it's more for that person's boss because they will lose that person. If that person wants to move into management and they're just keeping them, inhibiting that and blocking that because for selfish reasons, they will lose that person anyway. So that's just absolutely crazy. That's a, you need to be, that's the manager's problem. It does happen. The book that I mentioned, What Got You Here Won't Get You There, it talks about 20 habits of leadership and things that hold you back. And one of the first points in it is winning too much and adding too much value. <laughs> so it can happen. It's unlikely. And you know what? If you're an amazing, amazing salesperson, another organization will probably hire you just to get you on board. So I would never let that stop someone from doing amazing things. That would be crazy. But yeah, it can happen, but it's rarer these days. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. I'm curious about, um, this is one I was thinking about because I, I lead a sales team that's very skewed towards female. Um, mm-hmm. for, for just naturally, it's just the way it's it sort of worked out. But curious to know about the difference in um, in gender in terms of career progression and, and whether there are different obstacles um, that you might encounter due to gender or whether that's maybe some old some old school thinking that we need to refresh. What's oh, your... Oh, gosh, I could talk about this for hours. I feel like this is a whole other <laughs> conversation. Um, I think I didn't mention at the start, but you might mention it, that I um, started and founded and um, run an organisation called SWIM, which is Senior Women in Media and Marketing. I've had a huge amount to do with kind of women's organizations and you know international women's day events etc etc so i could literally talk for hours about this so you know the pay gap and i mean there's there's just so much to talk about there as i said it's if you're talking about just gender challenges um the the big ones are for me that the stats will show that and we've all heard these a thousand times but they kind of do ring true 
Um, pay gap is probably there for a whole lot of reasons. Yes, because men have been promoted more because of um, women going and having babies and like stepping out for a little while. Men are more likely to ask for things. I think women need to ask more for pay rises, um, ask more for promotions, like put their hand up more, be a bit bolshier, not wait till they've got 90% of the skills like they do and men will put their hand up when they've got 50%. All of that sort of stuff rings true. But as I said, I could talk for, th there's a lot more to it than that, but that's probably a half decent starting point. But um, I think women are just not as um, as as bolshy in what they're asking for. Okay, I didn't want to um, open a Pandora's box there. If you want to talk more on it, but I I, I was curious to hear your perspective because my observation would be that that there is a massive difference between um, agreeableness in the workplace and career progression. And what I mean by that is certain people are quite um, are quite forthcoming with what they want and quite bold. And I would say that my experience, and this is a sample group of one, is that is that men seem to compete for status in the workplace. It's almost in their DNA that they want the top job and they are they are very willing to to make that intention clear. Um, and with with sort of female employees, I think even though a lot of them have the same desires and drive and ambition, they're they're not as forthcoming. Mm, with what can they be a want. bit more apologetic. My... Yeah, 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 yeah. As I said, that's what I was saying. Like they need to be like you know more forthright about it, ask for it, go outside their comfort zone. So it's not going to be comfortable. It's not going to be often their natural comfortable position, but they need to fight harder for it. Yeah. I suppose that you know the the final question on the main topic I had for you, Andrea, is, and look, I'm guilty of this too. I got to tell you, like every year, it seems the media market gets a lot more complex, <laughs> and and so with the industry changing so rapidly, particularly in the world of coronavirus, it can be pretty easy to feel overwhelmed around where you might need to focus your learning and development. What would your advice be for somebody who's looking to sort of build out their skill set, but might just feel a little bit confused about where to actually focus or where to start? I would go back to that plan and go, okay, at the moment, and I'll go back to my previous example, I'm in TV sales and I want to move into digital. Okay, so to do that, I think these are the things that I need to learn. And then you might go to a trusted advisor who's managing a team or working in a team that is like the position that you want to be in and ask them, sense check it with them. Because often what you think is what you need to get there and what you actually need might be a little different. Yeah. So sense check that with some people kind of in the know. Again, align your learning and development to that plan and where it is that you want to head. And sense check it along the way too because what – make sense you know at the beginning of january when everyone's kind of doing this planning their news resolutions and then when you re-sense check it in august with another trusted advisor you might need to pivot at times too so it's always about sense checking it updating it keeping it top of mind and looking for those opportunities as well yeah that's really really sage advice i can't ask my sales manager that now i've saved this one specifically for this episode. And look, it's a little bit of a, the person, I, they've put their name there, but I'm not going to share it just because it's, it's a... No, don't do that. Yeah, it's a, it's, a quest, it's a question that might need a bit of, I'm not going to say tough love, but I just think there's more happening here than what the question is. So I'm mm. going to read the question and then let's, uh, let's see if we can problem solve it on the fly. But basically, um, this individual is in Melbourne. Um, and the question is, what advice would you have for someone seeking a management role somewhere else? without management experience. So meaning with another employer than what mm -hmm. they're currently at. I've been selling media for six years 
and was recently overlooked for an internal promotion to sales manager. The person they brought in for the job came from a competitor and I was completely blindsided by the news as the general manager all but guaranteed I'd be next in line. I'm not sure I can stay here anymore as I feel completely robbed, but I'm concerned I don't have a resume that reflects my experience. So I guess the question they had is obviously, how do you get a a management role if you don't have specific management experience when you're seeking it at another employer? Um, but I reckon there's a there's a little bit of a subtext to this one. What, what's your initial thought reflecting on that question? If you just gave me the question about would you have someone seeking a management role, blah, 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 then my answer would be completely different. I think the things that I'm reading into this are like I, the, the terminology in it, I was overlooked. Um, the person that they brought in came from a competitor. I was blindsided. They guaranteed me the role. Um, I'm not sure I can stay here. I was robbed. <laughs> they were robbed. <laughs> like these are some pretty heavy words and terms. It's got a lot of emotion in it. Yeah. So the first thing I would say is take all the emotion out of it. Yep. All of the emotion out. Like go and cry. Go and drink a bottle of wine. Have a cry. <laughs> and get over that. Build a bridge. Move on. This is not helping you. This little pity party you've got going on here. I mean the, the ISO pity party must just be epic. But um, this little pity party you've got here, it's all about I've done this and I've been overlooked. You're making it all about you. So I think the first thing here is I can't ask my manager that. The first thing you need to do is talk to your manager about it. If they actually promised you the role and then didn't give it to you, that's a really big deal. If like you were promised the role, which it kind of implies you were here. Being blindsided to me says there was a massive breakdown in communication. So... Um, cause if you, they promised it to you and then they didn't give it to you, there's some break, there's some reason why they haven't felt that they can tell you. Yeah. And that can sometimes be because of the way people behave when they get feedback that they don't want to hear. Like if this is a salesperson who, when they get feedback, they don't want to hear, throws their toys out of the cot and then doesn't perform. Well, that manager's not going to probably do the thing they should do and tell you because you're making it really, really hard for them. So I'd turn this around and go, rather than look, looking at it as robbed or blindsided, turn it around and say to them, I'd really like your help in, you know, when the next role comes up, I want to be that person. How do I get there? What do I need to do? What do you need me to do? Not what can they do for you? What do you need me to do? And then ask some people in other organisations, if you are looking to move around, go and ask someone, go and ask a, some, a manager or a sales leader somewhere else. Okay, if I was going to move over into your org, into like a more leadership role, what would you need to see from me? What is it that would be lacking? Yeah. Would, would you consider me? If not, why not? Or have you, have you had people move from this role into this type of role? How did that happen? What did you see in them? What was that process like? And if nothing else, what you're doing is by talking to leaders at businesses you want to work for anyway, then they're seeing you in that way and they're, they're, you've planted the seed that that's a role I want in your organisation. How do I get there? They'll probably think about you next time they have a role. So end the pity party. I mean, when I I literally, I mean, I shouldn't say I wanted to laugh, but just the terminology in this, it's like no one's guaranteed a role. The person's always going to hire the best person for the job. So it's about just being inquisitive and you you can't go to the manager and be like, oh, you promised me this and blah, blah, blah. It's be curious about why you didn't get it 
and look at yourself as to why you didn't get it, not to them. Yeah, and I, I first of all, I appreciate this person reaching out, and I hope you continue <laughs> to listen to the podcast because our intention here is 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 to actually to be able to have these yeah. conversations that that a manager probably wouldn't. You know, I, I I would have to say first of all, I feel sorry for the person who has been put into the management role because they they're dealing with probably quite a bit of passive aggressive behaviour mm. from this person. Mm. Um, <laughs> I hope not. The question that the question I keep coming back to. <laughs> And I don't want to trivialize this, but the question that, that I come back to is what you said is that you've been in the company a long time, you've got great relationships, but at the end of the day, are you the most qualified person in the market for that role? Yeah. If not, anything else is absolutely irrelevant. And arguably, you've got a better competitive edge than anybody in the market because you're in the organization already and you know it. So I would take this as a you know, as a pretty a pretty big shock to the system to go, clearly there's something missing here. Um, but yeah, my, my yeah. advice would and be pretty change. much echoing yours. You're 100% right. Like it's going to be best person. And what can happen is you might have been, they might have thought you were ne- the best next in line person. And then all of a sudden they get, they're talking to someone in another business and that business shows interest in a role and they're like, oh, that person's amazing. We want them in our business. Sure, I've got, I'm going to give them the role. So, you know, they're not going to sabotage what's best for the business just to appease you. The other thing in these situations, and it's something that I meant to mention earlier when we were talking about trusted advisors, mentors, don't go, I can imagine this person might have gone to their best friend or their family or someone and gone, oh my God, isn't my boss an asshole? They promised me this and that the family's gone, yeah, they're an asshole, you should leave. And your friends are like, yeah, 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 they're an asshole. And they've joined your pity party. They're like your number one ticket holder. They're sitting there like moaning and groaning with you. That is not helping you. Mm. Mm, Get advice really from point. someone impartial. Like, don't just t- talk to people about things. Like, yeah, have a whinge. Have a whinge to someone about it. But have a whinge and go, you know what? Just getting that off my chest. Now it's time to move on and get constructive and do something, like, positive about this. I completely agree. I think that was a, a bit of tough love there, Andrew. I like it. It was very nice. <laughs> I think, you know, when we talk about accelerating your career growth, it's it's a pretty short, punchy episode, but I think people are going to take away from it what they will. What's your kind of key takeaway for the audience on this topic? Is there any sort of final thought you want to leave everybody with? Sales is not brain surgery. So, like, again, it's about being really consistently, doing the right things consistently and be proactive in your own development like put the personal back into personal development have a plan know where it is you're heading because you will get there so much faster and share the plan with people go and if you want to go and work at an organization reach out to them if you want to go and work for a certain person reach out to them it doesn't mean you have to go and work there if they offer you a job but you are much much more likely to end up working somewhere if they know you want to work for them and have a plan. Ask them what it is that you need to do. What are the gaps? So have a plan, be proactive about it, and be smart. Like go find the fastest way from A to B. People just faff around doing stuff because, oh, that's a bit of fun, or I think doing this course will be good, or I'm going to listen to this podcast. It's all in the action. It's all in the doing stuff. It's like, you know that Nike, just do it? Doing stuff is the most important thing. A lot of people talk about stuff, a lot of people think about stuff, a lot of people intend to do stuff. You actually have to do it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's it's a really good point. You know, the other piece that we could probably do a whole other episode on too is don't skip over that point you made earlier around just networking. Like if you mm. if you like the way someone operates, if you like a company, if you if you want to learn 
you know some you know if you if somebody's got some skills or attributes that you aspire to have yourself don't be afraid and particularly in our field you shouldn't be intimidated by picking up the phone or by reaching out to somebody and just connecting and I dare say you know and this is probably a nice segue into if anyone wants to reach out to you Andrea but I think anyone who gets on the receiving end of that request is going to be pretty flattered so you know, 100% I'll make a point of putting putting your LinkedIn in the um in the show notes here and I'm sure I'm probably volunteering here, but I know you do a little bit of coaching and some strategy sessions and whatnot pro bono. So, you know, if, if, if it's okay and anyone wants to reach out, would that be okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now's a very good time. Now that I've, as I said, I've started a consultancy. Um, I've just, it's the first time I haven't been working full time in like 30 years. So now is a good time if anyone wants to reach out. <laughs> Excellent. Well, look, Andrea Ingham, thank you so much for uh, being so generous with your time. And I think we'll get you back on the podcast sooner rather than later. And we might need to um, brainstorm on a few other topics we can jump into. But thanks very much for your time today. My absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Media Sales Mastery, the podcast for media sales professionals. Head to mediasalesmastery.com to help pick the topic, guide the show, and don't forget to subscribe to receive new episodes each week.